I do remember uh, years ago when I was a younger guy over in uh, Struthers. Um, I was assigned the children's sermon every week. And to be honest with you, there was some Saturday nights where I totally forgot. I got really good at going to the medicine cabinet or the pantry or whatever and grab something and be able to make it a children's sermon really quick. Um, the hand sanitizer, I, I saw written on the label there real quickly, uh, soothing gel. I would have run with that. It's uh, a soothing gel. And you can imagine the spiritual implications. Really, life should be like that, shouldn't it? To take anything that we see, anywhere that we go, anybody that we meet, and be able to see them like soothing gel. To say, this is what God wants me to say to them. It's a, it's a miracle how God can do that with us wherever we go. If we're open to his voice, his heart, and his call, and his command. It's an honor to be here today. Today I'd like to share just a tiny bit about Hope for Renewal. Most of you know quite a bit about it, maybe not. But I encourage you to come to lunch today. A few of our precious church family will share some testimony today of what God has done in their life. It's hard to believe that it's been a little over five years since we moved to the south side of Youngstown to help continue the development and the call of Hope for Renewal Ministries. If, uh, if you don't remember, our mission statement is Hope for Renewal exists to serve to build relationships so that we can share the love of Christ to the Glenwood Corridor of the south side of Youngstown. It's really a simple statement, but it has been very powerful. Serve, build relationships, share Jesus. Everything that we do, I hope, comes from that statement, that call, that mission that we've been given. We've really developed three main areas of uh, ministry with Hope for Renewal. The first is... Uh, we are called and we know that we're called to do outreach ministry. That we need to get, uh, well, for the last five years we haven't had a building so it's really easy to get out of the building when you don't have one. God called us to prayer walking, mainly through Cindy. We've been called to the Glenwood Playground for what many people term the hot dog picnic ministry. Church calls them spiritual hot dogs because we're asking God to take something maybe even not very nutritious and make them incredibly powerful in the name of Jesus to let them hear about him through a hot dog. The playground ministry has uh, the last two years taken a lot of different form. If you remember a few years ago, we grew every year was more and more people would come and we could minister and all kind of different people would be served and prayed for and shared with and relationship build with and just, just to be with them. A lot of kids and whatnot, even VVS from Tabernacle the one year. Um, last year was a COVID year. Everything got pulled down, didn't it? God blessed us in July that we were still able to go back to the playground. Um, I feel so honored and blessed that we were still able to minister even at that time. They pulled all the picnic tables out from the pavilion. 
Um, they tried to put the caution tape around all the playground equipment. That lasted about an hour. Um, but nonetheless, we weren't allowed to do any children's activities or anything like that, but we were allowed to serve, give them the love of Jesus in a hot dog with mask and gloves on. And it was a very small year at the playground. People were afraid. And yet God blessed the people that did come. This year was expecting a little bit of a rebound. And uh, if you haven't heard, the South Side has had some uh, increased violence. Late May, early June, we had a young man, 17 years old, lose his life uh, right next in the back of the playground. It caused a lot of people to fear and to be concerned. Last year was strange, but it was, it was just very, very odd the first week to see hardly anybody come because of fear and concern. God has blessed that also. We've been able to see some families come. There is one family that just moved in the neighborhood, uh, two houses down from the playground. Their kids are there every week. It's like instant picnic because there's so many of them. And uh, they are the most precious little kids you've ever seen, and we get to minister to them every week. There was one week early on that uh, when I pulled up, usually no one's there, but there was already a picnic going on there, about 20 people, which was really strange. Uh, technically, we have the playground by the Parks and Recreation Department of Youngstown that says Wednesday's our time there, but uh, um, I don't think anybody knows that or whatever. So. I went up to the family and I said, hi, I'm here because we, we do a playground uh, picnic here every week. Um, but it was pretty hard to say, get out of here because this is our playground tonight. That would be so wrong. And so I said, let's share the playground tonight together. And we set up on the side. They did have two tables back this year. And it ended up that uh, as we found out as the night went on that that was the family who lost their son was killed next to the playground. And it was hard, but we were able to give our love and care for them. We were able to share our bubbles and our hot chips. We were able to love a family that was in pain and hurting. So that's what this year has been about. The jump rope came back out the first time in two years. Uh, it has just been a blessing, even though it's been smaller this year. And as you know, there's even been a few more shootings recently. The ministries at the ministry center that will hopefully soon open really don't know what God's going to lead us to do there. I know there's going to be ministries that come from what we're calling our ministry center now, Glenwood Grounds, uh, because we'll have coffee there. Uh, you get that part, Glenwood Grounds. You wouldn't believe the different names that uh, that was awesome to see all our church submitted names and people we knew submitted names. They, they were incredible names. My sons, I can't even remember them, but they were very corny names. Hebrews, uh, things like that. But we settled on Glenwood Grounds. And if you drive by and see the logo, there's a coffee bean that is sprouted. It has three leaves. I think those three leaves stand for the outreach in Jesus' name the cafe that serves coffee, and the worshiping community that we've been blessed to be able to worship together, and we will in there. And so the cafe is going to be called Glenwood Grounds. 
Not just coffee grounds, but holy ground. Gathering grounds. It's just we're very excited about what God's going to do. We did start our worshiping community. Uh, the cafe will come soon, I hope. On November 3rd, I believe, in 2019, um, as a Bible studies that were started from playground uh, relationships, we were able to start worshiping, and we started worshiping in our uh, living room. And it was the week after our big fall fun fest. Uh, I think we saw 400 people that year. We handed out brochures to everybody. I can't tell you how many people said, oh, man, we'd love to come. We'd love to come. So I, we set 25 chairs up, packed them in our living room, and uh, there were six of us. Scott and Linda, two of them, Cindy and I, too. And Yasmin, who sits here today, and Braylon. And afterwards, I was a little bit discouraged. And then we all started talking and said, we worship today. We worship together in this neighborhood that we're called to be in. And so God is blessed. We've grown some. The most exciting part is that we have a call to worship just like you do. We have a praise time just like you do. Well, not quite like you do. We just, Scott is guitar. We don't have sound equipment and stuff, but... We praise God, and Scott's been incredible with that. We have a message, and we have prayer time, and we share a meal together every week, and we worship the God who saves us. It's been an overwhelming joy to see this group of precious, precious sheep come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Sometimes right in the middle of the service. We baptized three people back in March in Jeremy and Penny's hot tub. Never did that before. Turned the bubbles off. We proclaimed the name of Jesus and proclaimed victory over death through life in Jesus. I believe we're going to do another baptism in a week or so with Amber. We've been studying the last couple months the marks of a Christian. Or what are the things that label us as followers of Jesus in life? We've talked about a lot of things. The mark of a Christian is to know God, have a relationship with God, to listen and pray and follow. God is Father, we talked about. God is Shepherd, we talked about. Mark of a Christian is also to know the power to fight back against the enemy. And so we talked about the armor of God. Mark of a Christian is to know what the armor of God is and to put it on and to make a stand. Mark of a Christian or a follower of God would be imitators of Jesus Christ. We talked about what it means to imitate him. We looked at a blind beggar on the road and learned that a mark of a Christian is to know how to call out to God when you're in deep need. This week I'd like to share with you one of the marks that we talked about. And I know you're probably going to think, hey, we heard that before. I know I've, in the last 30 years, I've given that, this message before. Not this message, but this scripture. I just think it 
It talks about a lot where life is for a lot of people right now. This week, the mark of a Christian, a follower of Jesus, is to see and process and to live out our circumstances, things that happen to us, the things that happen in the world around us, and to see others like God sees them. The mark of a Christian is to see through the eyes of faith. To trust in God and to see through the eyes of faith, to see all of life through God's eyes. I'd like to use a scripture. It's 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 11 through 23. Hear God's word. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God, who we know as Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. Real simple what's happening here. The Syrians were obviously warring against Israel. And what was happening was the Syrian army would set up an ambush or set up a place where they would attack the army of Israel when they came by or the Israelites. And God would give word to his prophet Elisha to tell the king of Israel this is a very battle plan that the king of Syria has set for them. And it's very simply that happened more than once, more than twice. We really don't know how many. But time and time again, God would tell Elisha to tell the king of Israel, don't go there because there is danger there. There's an ambush there from the king of Syria. And so real simply, you can imagine the king of Syria that he would be very displeased that his ambush didn't work time and time again. And it says in verse 11, And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who is of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the word that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and seize him. It was told him, Behold, he is in Dothan. And so he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. It's interesting to me to see the king of Syria process what's going on with these failed attempts of ambush. At first, he's angry and troubled. Uh, we really don't know what troubled meant. I imagine he was pretty angry. And he's troubled that why, why isn't this right? What in the world is going on? And I think he reasoned in his own human mind. And he saw through his human eyes. And the result was there must be a traitor. There must be a traitor among us. That's the only explanation. Then he is given information that Elijah the prophet of Israel knows all the plans that he literally makes in secret. I believe he knows that Elisha has abilities and the power to do amazing things but I still think he is totally ignorant and disregards the power of God that Elisha had available to him through God. 
I think he sees through his own eyes that Elisha has the power of God, but he doesn't grab the magnitude of that power. So once again, his plan is all about human plans and wisdom and human strength. Find out where he is, he said, and then send a great force there by night and surround him and capture him. Uh, all everybody knows militarily, uh, you make a stealth move at night is the most successful of an attack. Go at night, surround him, send a great force there. Again, relying on human strength of a human army and horses and chariots and seeing through human eyes. I think of the scripture, some trust in horses and chariots. And that's where the king of Syria was trusting, even though he saw that Elisha had power. But in the king of Syria's defense, he's only thinking and seeing like someone who does not know God, isn't he? He's only thinking like the king that he is, of a nation who didn't follow God and doesn't know of his power or even knows about it but can't experience it, doesn't have any understanding of what that power could be. And so we look at verse 15. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Can you picture that? Going out in the morning, and all of a sudden, it's you and Elisha, and all of a sudden, you're surrounded by horses and chariots, and you know what it means for you. I know we see a second time the witnessing, seeing circumstances and trouble through human's eyes through the eyes of the servant this time. Brothers and sisters, is this not what we're hearing and seeing all around us today? What shall we do? COVID, what shall we do? The wars and countries warring, what shall we do? Things crumbling in our government, what shall we do? Church is struggling. What shall we do? Fortunately, it's believers saying this as well as non-believers, as the king of Syria. And even a servant who is somewhat oblivious to the power of God. Elisha then makes a statement that we can live the rest of our lives on that we can plan our ministry plan on, that we can make our budget on, that we can make our decisions on. We can make any ministry plans on what Elijah says. For he said, don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I, I think of that statement and I think of the servant who stood there with Elijah and he's watching all the horses and chariots and all the army and he's thinking, he's either thinking Elijah sees something I don't or he's been in the sun too long 
or he's just not in his own right mind. Elisha's finally lost it. Because I'm counting one, two, one, two, hundreds, thousands, I don't know how many horses and chariots. There's more with us than there are with them. This is the mark of a Christian to grasp and know for every one of us who know Jesus as Lord and Savior, for a church to proclaim the name of Jesus. There are more with us than there are with them. Elijah was obviously seeing through some eyes of faith that the servant or the king of Syria couldn't grasp or comprehend. Elijah was seeing through God's eyes. Saw things of the promises and the power and the authority of God. The mark of a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Out of all those involved in this passage, is Elijah is the only one who is seeing everything through the eyes of faith. Who are you today? All that's going on around us, all the fears, fear seems and confusion has seemed to grip the whole world right now. Whose eyes are you seeing through? The servant, king of Syria? Or are you striving to see the way that God sees? the way that he calls us to trust, the way that he calls us to trust and to know his power and authority, no matter what it means, no matter where I go, no matter what danger is there, there are more with us than there are with them. You have pride permission to put that on my gravestone someday. because I struggle to live it every day. And then we are given a prayer that Elisha prays over the servant. Perhaps the prayer that we should pray as individuals, as a family, and as a church. For verse 17 says, Then Elijah prayed and said, and I love how he says, oh, Lord, please. Oh, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. That is a prayer that I pray. And I'm starting to look at this passage again and again. Through my weak moments when I'm saying, oh, Lord, what shall we do? Lord. Open my eyes that I may see through your eyes. And then it says, so the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. There are more with us than there are with them. You know, God's word is 
literally filled with examples of how this can be applied to our lives. Daniel 3, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste, and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. There are more with us than there are with them. Matthew 14. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. The disciples are in a boat in the middle of the night. Something comes walking on the water to them. They immediately think it's a ghost and they're fearful and they're buffeted by the waves and they can't move. And Jesus calls out, take courage, it is I. In a reference to his, his deity, his the son of God, into the I am who I am, God of the Old Testament. Take courage, it is I. There's more with us than there are with them. Hebrews 11. By faith Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. But his faith, he con condemned the world and became heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Psalm 121, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? A question mark for the author of this psalm, I believe, is crying out, where does my help come from? Verse 2 answers in a powerful way. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 46 that we started the service with. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. Are we living? There are more with us than there are with them. Does your church reflect this? Does your life reflect this? I wonder sometimes about this life as a believer that is so hard to ask God to let me see through your eyes every moment of every day. I have glimpses of moments like that, don't you? I pray you do. I pray that I pray that prayer more often that I want to live every moment of every day in that knowledge and seeing through God's eyes of what is going on around me. I catch glimpses of it 
in the eyes of our precious church family. To see God work in unbelievably ways in them. That I know that there's more with us than there are with them. Because it makes no sense through human eyes sometimes. To watch a young lady like Aaliyah, 14-year-old, come to the playground this year, dressed in a pretty heavy goth outfit, find out she's a vegetarian. Hot dogs don't go real well with that. Lord, what do you do with that? So God speaks and he says, take solid to her next week. And finally, this last week, she, from Cindy, got her salad. And she said, for me? You did this for me? She said, these cherry tomatoes are awesome. I said, well, they come from our tomato plants in our backyard. For me? Church, it's really simple. Serve those around you. And don't be afraid to go. For there's more with us than there are with them. The power of the Spirit of God is unimaginable. God says, I will do things that you can't even imagine through you. I pray that God would fill this place with an incredible zeal to see through his eyes, to see the broken, to see the struggling, to desperately need to hear the name of Jesus, and to do all the simple things which he will empower them and make them supernatural things through a salad or a piece of sidewalk chalk or bubbles. I'm going to share after church, I'll spill the beans, one of the most awesome effective ministry tools that I've ever seen in my life is a jump rope. Two weeks ago we had, how old was she? 70 years? 70 year old grandma jumping rope. Eight times. I, my record's six. You should have seen her face. She calls out, I'm 70 years old. With a big smile on her face. We have a really long jump rope for the first time ever. We've, we've seen eight Eight older girls jumping. Oh, there was one boy thrown in there too. I've never seen smiles come from a jump rope, a bag of Play-Doh with little rolling pins as you sit with the kids, coloring pages together. God says there's more with us than there are with them. Love people and go. And I will show you the power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords over the darkness. I was blessed, or I'm not sure what the right word is, on September 16th in 2001, to stand in this pulpit as September 11th was on a Tuesday. I remember exactly where I was, they say that. And we were working through the book of 
Romans or the chapter of Romans 12. Out of all the verses that would fall on September 16th, do you know what it was? Love those who persecute you. Bless them. Don't curse. What do you do with that after September 11th? That God calls us to give the gospel to the extreme lost and the love of Christ. To be extreme people in the world who see through the eyes of Jesus rather than through the eyes of the world. It was a tragic day. I challenge you to think through this little verse that could lead you to great things in your life. All of God's word is, isn't it? But hold on to the verses that promise and to call and to command you to go and to rely on the power of God even when you can't see and you don't know. When you're ready to say, what shall we do? There's more with us than there are with them. Yesterday I came across, I couldn't stop reading it, to be honest with you. I read it three times. Todd Beamer's story. The 911 transcript, the one he called from United Flight. 93, I believe it said he was in one of the pantries, somehow snuck in there and they didn't see him and he called on a phone to 911 to tell them that United Flight 93 was being hijacked. The 911 operator, I can't imagine how she made it through that call. They went through, eventually added a, an FBI agent to talk also. He told the 911 operator all that was going on. Please call my wife and tell her how much I love her. Go and tell my kids how much I love them. My wife Lisa is pregnant three months now. The sonogram, I don't know if it's a boy or girl, but it's awesome. And after he said that, he said, we have a plan. The four of us aren't going to let that fate come to us on the plane, and we're taking things into our hands. The last thing he said to the operator was, would you pray for me? They prayed the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then they prayed the 23rd Psalm together. Sum it up, there are more with us than there are with them. The last words, Tom Beamer said we're let's roll (laughs) 
What's God called to you? Let's roll, church. The world is in desperate shape. The world is lost. And you have the answer. One by one, person by person, you have the power and the authority of the God who created everything that lives inside you to go and to proclaim his name. There are more with us than there are with them. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this. We just ask, Lord, do you take this group of people that are so precious? And Lord, I just thank you for them. I thank you for Tabernacle Evangelical Presbyterian Church. This body's been through a lot, Lord. A lot of times, oh my Lord, what shall we do? I ask you in the name of Jesus, Father, to fill this place with an incredible, overwhelming joy, incredible, overwhelming peace, incredible, overwhelming call to continue to proclaim the name of Jesus. I ask you to bless this I want a program. Send the kids and the parents, Lord. Lord, I just ask in your mighty name to let your power and your authority be seen in this place. I pray that the same for our precious Hope for Renewal worshiping community, Lord. We live in a place of darkness and uh, struggle, fear. Friday, I guess there was a helicopter two streets over looking for someone, and I, uh, I didn't even know that, Lord. But as we go, Lord, we don't see everything going on around or the struggles or the dangers, but uh, you have all that in your hands, Lord, for all of us. So, Lord, we pray that you would fill this place. Lord, I thank you for each one here today. Amen.